It's Thursday, December the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, more Trump pardons and Brexit agreement close. First, the world in brief. President Donald Trump continued on his pardoning spree. Having absolved 15 people of their crimes on Tuesday, he yesterday pardoned 26 more. They include Paul Manafort, his former campaign chairman, who was convicted following an investigation into foreign meddling during the 2016 election. Roger Stone, a former advisor to the president, was also pardoned. Mr Trump had previously commuted his prison sentence for lying to Congress. So too was Charles Kushner, the father of Mr Trump's son-in-law, who had convictions for tax evasion and witness retaliation expunged. Mr Trump vetoed a $740 billion defence bill. The president was unhappy at provisions to limit troop withdrawals abroad, and to remove the names of Confederate leaders from army bases. He also wants to include measures to limit social media platforms' immunity for the content posted on their sites. Congress, which overwhelmingly passed the bill, may override the veto. Chinese antitrust authorities announced they were investigating Alibaba, The e-commerce giant will be scrutinised, among other things, over its forcing sellers to list exclusively on its shopping platform. It is the first such investigation into one of the country's tech champions. Last month, regulators barred Alibaba's sister company, Ant Group, from listing in Hong Kong and Shanghai. The Communist Party is known to be unhappy at criticism levelled against state-owned banks by the firm's founder, Jack Ma. British officials indicated that a post-Brexit trade agreement with the European Union was close. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, and Ursula von der Leyen, the President of the European Commission, spoke by telephone while negotiations continued in Brussels. Details on fisheries and a level playing field for competition rules still need to be finalised. Sterling rose against the dollar and the euro. More than 100 people were reportedly killed in an attack on a village in Benashangal Gamuz in western Ethiopia. The massacre took place a day after the Prime Minister, Abiy Ahmed, visited the region to appeal for those who perpetrate ethnic violence to be brought to justice. The attacker's identity is unknown, but the atrocity seems unrelated to the conflict Abiy is waging in Tigray, in the north of the country. The number of American workers making new claims for unemployment benefits fell last week to 803,000 from 892,000 the week before. That is still far above the rate of 200,000 to 220,000 early in 2020, before the pandemic struck. In another sign of COVID-19's drag on the economy, household spending declined by 0.4% last month, the first fall since April. And editor's note, Espresso will not be published on December 25th or 26th. The next edition will appear on Monday, December 28th. 
And now, here's today's agenda. Scream and shout. Twitter's algorithm. This week, Espresso is publishing its year-in-review editions. Today, culture and sport. After America's election, President Donald Trump took to Twitter to dispute Joe Biden's victory, declaring himself the real winner. The social media platform flagged these statements as untrue. Mr Trump has long complained that social media platforms totally silence conservatives' voices. An analysis by The Economist in January found this to be false. We created a clone of Mr. Trump's profile in June 2019 and used it to repost some of the president's old tweets over several weeks to teach the system what the pretend Mr. Trump cared about. Then from September to December, whenever the real Mr. Trump tweeted, our clone would repeat it. Then we recorded the first 24 posts the algorithm served to its Twitter feed, to be compared with a stimulated chronological feed. Using sentiment analysis, we found that the tweets on the algorithmic feed were more emotive on every scale. Far from silencing inflammatory language and outlandish claims, Twitter appears to reward them. Sad songs. Listeners are gloomiest in February. Newspapers often claim that Blue Monday in the third week of January is the most depressing day of the year. But streaming patterns suggest that music lovers are most melancholy in February. Spotify, which offers 50 million tracks to 270 million users in more than 70 countries, uses an algorithm that classifies a song's valance, or how happy it sounds, on a scale of 0 to 100. Aretha Franklin's Respect gets a stonking 97, Radiohead's Creep a measly 10. Using these scores and Spotify's lists of most streamed songs, The Economist found that the most miserable melodies are played in the second month of the year, while the sunniest songs are playing in July. Strikingly, this is apparent even in the Southern Hemisphere and countries close to the equator, suggesting that the blues are not simply tied to winter weather. Perhaps the calendar explains it. By February, the promise of a new year has faded. Anyone for Joy Division? Consultants of Swing. New Golf Techniques. In 2004, golf's regulators introduced limits on the size of clubs, hoping to reverse a trend of ever longer shots demanding ever larger golf courses. Nonetheless, in November 2020, a famous record was broken when Dustin Johnson completed the Masters tournament in 268 strokes, beating the 270 set by Tiger Woods in 1997. The Atlanta course was longer for Mr Johnson too. Mr Johnson has driven balls on average more than 300 yards, 274 metres, throughout his career. Ball tracking statistics suggest that such dizzying drives might have been helped by better equipment, but are mostly due to technique. Using data from ShotLink, a system that tracks how fast a golfer swings, 
his ball's trajectory and its rotation speed. The Economist found that these three factors explained 70% of the differences between players' distances, and that faster speed, less spin and a lower trajectory explained almost all of the increase in length over time. Drives are probably set to stretch further still. A howling success, the pet care market. Americans adore their pets. Roughly two in three households own one, according to the American Pet Products Association, a trade group. And pet owners, it seems, are prepared to pay to pamper. Americans spent more than $52 billion on pet food, supplies and accessories in 2019, up from $34 billion in 2009. That's more than $150 per person. No other nation comes close. Next to Britain with $93 and France with $87. Worldwide, the pet industry is booming. According to Euromonitor International, a research firm, the pet care market grew by more than 66% in the 2010s while the global economy expanded by just 43%. As people grow wealthier, their attitudes to domestic animals tend to change. A poll in 2015 found that 95% of Americans consider their animals part of the family. And there have never been more products available for pampered pets, from exercise wheels for cats to designer clothes for dogs. Bright Young Things – Chess Champions The Queen's Gambit, Netflix's hit television show of the autumn, features a young woman who, by her teens, is winning national and international chess tournaments with ease. The series, which received universal acclaim from critics, was also praised by chess aficionados for the accuracy with which it depicted the game. It certainly got one thing right – younger chess players consistently outperform older rivals. A study published in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences analysed old world chess championship matches, comparing the moves with the best the players could have made. It reached two clear conclusions. First, players tend to peak early in their careers, with little improvement after their 30s. The authors attributed this to the fact that the human brain's problem-solving ability reaches its zenith at around age 20. Second, each generation of top players is better than the one before it, probably because of improvements in training. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Harold Pinter, who died on this day in 2008. One way of looking at speech is to say that it is a constant stratagem to cover nakedness. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. 
just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.